everybody, and welcome to Devil Fruit Punch, the podcast where we read One Piece and then we talk about it. I am, of course, your host, John, and joining me from the red wastes of Texas is Patrick Ramirez. Ahoy there, podcast listeners. Happy to be here this week, just like every week. And also joining me is Matt. Folks, it's great to be here. Great to see you all, uh, as always. This week, we are covering chapters 322 to 338. That's right, baby. We're talking Water 7. The Straw Hats make their way to the city of Water 7, and they find some shipwrights to fix the merry-go, and they meet the Frankie family. Meanwhile, Robin has an encounter with a mysterious stranger, uh, the merry-go can't be repaired, and the crew is unable to retrieve their stolen money, which results in a fight between Luffy and Usopp. Uh, then the mayor of Water 7 gets shot, maybe by Robin, apparently, and Frankie pledges revenge against the Straw Hats for destroying his base. Uh, oh, also a giant flood called Aqua Laguna is about to hit. Uh, unfortunately, on his like while he's beating Luffy up or attempting to... Uh, the Galila show up and interrupt Frankie, and they decide they want to take their own revenge on the Straw Hats. So that's pretty much what happened. Um, yep. I feel like it doesn't really do it justice, but yeah, let's let's get right into it, fellas. What do you think? What do you think, Matt? I mean, I've said it before. I'll say it again now. Um, this is my favorite arc in like all of One Piece, and um. We're, we're very much in the build-up portion, so I, I think to John's point, it, it, it's kind of hard to talk about this and do it justice so far, because there's a lot of intriguing shit happening. Um, but I guess to actually have something to say, something I really like about um, Water 7 is that for basically every other arc in the series, it, it's a similar structure, right? Like, the crew goes somewhere, they get embroiled in a local conflict, and they kind of resolve it. And that's not really what's going on here. They're kind of bringing their own conflict here. Um, part of the drama of Water 7 is that the crew is under the most stress that it has been under thus far. Um, something very weird is going on with Robin. Nobody has any idea what the fuck is up with that. And yeah, the last word on her is she and another stranger shot the mayor for a totally inexplicable reason. Like, like it doesn't make any sense. And the other is... Um, you know, Usopp is having kind of a, a moment of identity crisis, both with himself, with his place in the crew, with his entire identity as a pirate. And um, and it, it leads to a break. He, he quits the crew. He, f he has a fight with Luffy. You know, it, it's it's kind of heavy stuff uh, as far as One Piece goes. Um, so it, it's just it's already very unusual, very unusual waters. <clears throat> uh, pardon the pun. Oh. And uh, who knows where it's going from here? Yeah, so I kind of want to save the Usopp stuff for last, because for me personally, that is like the craziest, coolest shit mm -hmm. of this this part. So let's talk about Robin. Um, it's interesting, too, because Robin is actually on Iceberg's radar even before she apparently shoots him, right? Yeah, he's got a he's... wanted poster of her as a kid in his <clears throat> office. What's mm -hmm. up with that? Yeah, because he's talking about this Mr. Corgi guy and how... You know, he has something that Corgi wants, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and in relation to that is when he brings up Robin. So this whole thing is really, I mean, this is really interesting to me, because this is like political intrigue. Yep. You know, like you have this guy who is both the mayor of the town and like the president of the biggest company. Mm -hmm. So there's clearly like some deep state kind of shit going on, you know? Right. And they kind of touched on that, too, where they really established, like, this is the best shipbuilding island in the world. Like, this is where the Navy goes to for their best ships. And we find out in Iceberg's, you know, just a, a brief backstory that we get about him, that he is the guy who unified something like, I don't know, like seven or eight different shipbuilding like companies. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, like, he made them one kind of megacorp. And, he, um, he monopolized. He did. He, he Well, you know, he, he unified state and industry. Um <laughs> And not to uh, not to be too you know obnoxious about the one piece's leftist thing, but I really do enjoy when Oda is like, look at these like professional workers, aren't they so cool? Um, kind of like how Barati had like, look at these cooks, they're great. They kick the shit out of people, and they mm -hmm. they love cooking. Uh, it's right. Same way, except with building ships for Galila. Yeah, like. 
Sorry, excuse me. Oh, jeez. Tickle. <laughs> you okay there, buddy? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I don't know, like, as much about uh, World War II Japan stuff as I do about Germany, but I'm pretty sure that that consolidation of, like, industry and the state is something that was happening in Imperial Japan as well, mm. uh, yeah, which is sense. kind of an interesting, like, point of analysis for sure. There's... um. There's another series that I absolutely adore called Golden Kamui, and that that would be a whole podcast unto itself. But I'll briefly say that um, one of the main characters' motivations is the idea of transforming, uh, you know, this island, the the northernmost and largest island of Japan, into kind of an arms factory utopia. And um, I, I'm really interested in what you're describing of like um, World War II era Japan and the idea of it as a weapons manufacturing like. Um, hub um, because not to put too fine a point on it this isn't actually an idea that will come up in a future arc that not even you have gotten to yet John um, oh, so nice. I think it's very astute that you're touching on it here um, yeah I mean the whole like politics angle of it I think is really interesting and also I think like the kind of like Marxist nerd in me too is sort of fascinated by the level of development or the level of technology in this world I mean this is this is like our first full-on like steampunk arc, you know, like they have like these automated waterways that are flowing uphill and they have like water-based elevators and steam power and trains and all this shit. And uh, that that is just aesthetically looks cool and it looks sort of out of place based on what we know about the world so far. But it's also just it opens so many avenues and so many possibilities where we're not just dealing with magic fruits we're also dealing with like gears and technology and steel and heavy industry 100 percent. like i water seven is just fucking cool because like you know a lot of one piece has like a real world analog and this is clearly like one piece venice right it's got like the gondolas yeah. everything is floating but it's badass my like little dnd nerd ass one of the first things i remember falling in love with this is I had come up with an idea for like a D&D city that's entirely like water based. Like you get to other areas through water elevators and like the whole defense structure is they drain the elevators. So you just can't get up. Mm-hmm. And so for this to have water elevators in it too is immediate into my heart. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, for me, it also like begs some questions and kind of like it, it makes you think about this world in a historical sense too, where you're like, who built this, this city that's yeah. in the middle of the ocean that has apparently foundations that go all the way to the ocean's floor. Like that's some intense shit. Like did, was this built in the current age or is this some like leftover technology from the past or, or what, you know? I mean, that's a great question, right? Cause like we, we've, we've got this idea of this hundred year gap in history and like, we know that things happened before and, you know, it's a fairly common, but also one of my favorite tropes in a lot of media is the idea of like a a fallen empire that was like a thousand years prior. And this would make a lot of sense to me, right? Like, like, is this this wondrous, you know, the water city for the water world? Is this a thing that's just been around for like a millennium? I, I don't know. I could see it, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick, did you have anything to uh, point out? Well, Matt just stole the words out of my mouth because I was going to call this the water world, uh, <laughs> the world, water world arc, because um, it's basically what there are, where they arrive to. Yeah. Um, I wanted to go back to the beginning when they talked about uh, Nico Robin is like walking in the shopping plaza or whatever. Yeah. And she's kind of explaining, I can't remember if she's with Sanji. I think she's it was Sanji. With, um, Chopper. Chopper. Chopper, and right. Yeah. Sanji sees her later on. Yeah, yeah. He follows her. Yeah. So. She's explaining to Chopper that like she can understand, she can kind of like read intuitions from people or something like that when they're walking around. What was that? She she makes a note of observing the behavior of everybody around her. Uh, right. Like okay. at any I given point. She, yeah. I thought she was like somehow reading people's minds, but not reading them, like getting enough information from their body language and like actions to like interpret that into what they were going to do or what they're thinking about. Kind of. That's what it made me think about. Do you remember the um, the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movie where there's <laughs> yeah, a scene yeah. where he, he's it kind breaks of breaks down everything? Yeah, like they're at like a bar or something, and, and he's doing it almost like a party trick. Like, how much can I tell about a, a random stranger just by right. observing them? And I think Nico Robbins got a very similar thing. It, it's not actually supernatural, but she's very 
observant. She's very intuitive, um, partially because she's been, you know, on the run from the law since she was like an eight year old or whatever. Right. Yeah. Well, another interesting thing about Nico Robin too, is that she has all this like anthropological knowledge where she's like, Oh, there's an Island nearby that's having a festival. And that's why the masks are all being sold. Right. Yeah. One piece is such a great story about like, look at all these idiots in like almost every character. They really kind of make a joke about the person being a knucklehead in some way. And I do enjoy that Nico Robin just gets to be smart. And that's kind of her, <laughs> arguably her best superpower mm-hmm. is that she just knows what's going on. <laughs> she can, yeah, you know, make inferences. <laughs> Although she does have one goofball quality that has been briefly touched upon, but will be more fleshed out later where she makes her very like dark jokes and like yeah. grim kind of view of things. Very bluntly morbid as a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, something I wanted to talk about was Sanji. Uh, yeah. Because I'm a known Sanji hater. But honestly, some of the best parts of this episode or these sets of chapters were Sanji stuff. Like, yeah, I was laughing so hard when he was like thinking about like, oh, man, I would love to go shopping with Robin. Like, <laughs> yeah. she's so hot. And he's holding the two cabbages. And the guy's like, hey, man, stop looking so creepy while you're holding the cabbages. Do you want them or not? <laughs> yeah. Imagine I just imagine w- him, like, sitting there groping the cabbages. And the fucking cabbage guy is like, dude, you can't do that in public. Like, what are you doing? He's like, dude, so you, so you buying these or what? Like, kind of got to move along, you know? <laughs> I imagine that he was, like, twerking the nipple of the cabbage. I, I, I really, something I appreciate about Sanji is it, I would never claim he's not a horny pervert because he clearly is, but he does just genuinely love women. Like, he's, he doesn't seem to, like he has an ulterior motive. He's just like, I love you. I love being around you. I love helping you. I want to do anything for you. <laughs> what can I do attention. for you? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, them actually hooking up doesn't even seem like a possibility, you know? Yeah, I, I have a hard time imagining Sanji even, like, kissing a girl. Like, he he just... <laughs> it's Although, like it's... I do have an ongoing headcanon that Zoro and Nami are, like, friends with benefits. <laughs> I don't think he's good enough with money <laughs> to sustain that, but I, I love it. <laughs> um, another thing about Sanji was... I guess this isn't really Sanji specifically, but just Sanji as an outlet for Oda's beautiful writing, but... Um, the part where, from his perspective, we see Kaku, like, jumping through the city to go check out the merry-go, mm-hmm. and in the same scene, we see him noticing Robin going off with some stranger. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was, like, a really cool framing device to kind of just show how everything was happening at the same time yeah. and how everything is mapped out. Okay, this person's over here with these people. The other people are on the other side. Sanji's in the middle. So you can kind of like do the math and be like, okay, Chopper is probably somewhere around where Robin is. And I don't know, just like it kind of like geographically like spaced it all out. And it was just like an interesting way to, to portray that information, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's like classic spy intrigue stuff, right? Like, you know, we're talking about Venice, not like Vienna or Berlin, but still this idea of like, there are alleyways everywhere people are milling about and you know, what's that? What is this fleeting glimpse of a person that I know behaving strangely? And all of a sudden, where did she go? Yeah. Um, One of my favorite movies is a horror movie from the seventies called don't look now with Donald Sutherland. And that's a psychological like horror movie set in Venice. And you know, in that character, this is like a first two minute spoiler. So I apologize, but the the main character's daughter dies. She drowns while wearing a, uh, kind of like a, a red plastic raincoat. And he is haunted by these visions of a, small figure wearing a red plastic uh, raincoat in, in Venice who's constantly darting in and out of the alleyways. And, and he's trying to find her and, and, you know, is she just in my mind? What, you know, what's going on here? And um, Sanji seeing Robin only immediately losing her really hits that for me. And um, the masks too, right? Like masks are a big thing in Italy in general. They're particularly a big thing in Venice. Um, yeah. Masks are really mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, just like uh, masquerade masks. Um, like that's a real thing that's normal for parties or something over there. Yeah, I I went to Venice just once for like a day, but I it's it felt like every fifth shop was a mask shop. Wow, and um, I know that. Yeah, yeah, like if we wanted to dig into like the symbolism of like the mask too, it's like that was something that the um, oh my gosh, 
Oh my gosh, guys. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Hit what? us. You forgot to hit record. No, I had to cough again. Oh, oh. thank God. No. As soon as, Patrick, as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh no, that's actually not. I'm going to flip out. <laughs> um, but no, the, the mask thing was like a thing that the nobility would wear uh, so that they could act like, you know, normal people, mm, quote unquote. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. It's kind of interesting because also Frankie wears a mask. Yes. We don't get his reveal for a while also. So what that means that like the poor people were wearing masks already all around, right? If they could blend, if the royalty could blend mm-hmm. in. So why were they wearing masks? Oh, they're not blending in by wearing the mask. It's kind of just like a artifice where they're just like pretending that they're not rich. Oh, okay. Well, and, and I don't know if that's connected or not, but um, going all the way back to ancient Rome, there is, uh, I'm sure there's a name for it. I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but for one kind of one night a year, rich people would love doing this sort of role reversal game with their, well, their slaves, uh, frankly, where they would kind of wait on their, their household slaves uh, and, and treat them as if they huh. were the rich and the powerful and the affluent. They thought that that was just fucking hilarious to pour them wine or whatever. Oh man. Um, and <laughs> that's you know, dark, that's real dark. <laughs> Venice being Italy. I, I wonder how much of that is a continuation of that practice. Right. Yeah. Well, and then also the Greeks had the chorus where you wore the, the mask to show like what emotion you represented. That's true. Play. Yeah. Well, but I, 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 yeah. I, it's just such a fun dynamic though, of like then introducing some level of intrigue shit, but the idea is everyone's wearing a mask. So it doesn't look weird. For this like hulking figure to say CP9 to Robin in passing, and she looks like she's been shot. Yeah. And then whoever, who the hell knows what's going on after that? <laughs> she leaves with this person. I think they yeah. kind of imply that that's the other shooter too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, Matt. Was there anything else that you wanted to to touch on? Oh man, I mean plenty. But I, I did want to say earlier, you're talking about how cool seeing the technology being showcased here is, and I really enjoy, I really enjoy Frankie. And it, it's kind of hard to talk about Frankie too much right now. But um, Frankie's a cyborg, and like <laughs> he's, he's he's a powerful cyborg. And I really enjoy. Um, I think we started seeing this back in um, Skypea specifically with what they called Mantra. But I think that Oda is starting to try to experiment with like, how do I credibly let fire fighters be powerful without just giving them another devil fruit power. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, <clears throat> I think that the introduction of cyborgs as a concept is, is very much a part of that. But you're, I mean, you're right. This is like a crazy technologically advanced city. They kind of have to be, they, they sort of imply that, you know, the um, Agua Laguna is literally just going to like flood the bottom, whatever proportion of the city. Um, but Frankie's a part of that too. You know, he, he's got like, laser beams and shit he breathes fire <laughs> um yeah but he can swim because like you know it, it's kind of a well-trod point at this point but like if you're living in water world it is kind of a big deal if you're not able to swim <laughs> well he's wearing a speedo so you would hope that he can swim exactly and and i just wanted to mention my other favorite uh physical aspect of frankie i think the the sbs mentions this later but he has this bizarre three-pointed chin and yeah. what that is, is um, chin clefts are manly, and Frankie is so manly that he has two chin clefts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the idea, at least. It's very funny to me. I, um, yeah. Patrick, what did you think of Frankie as a villain, as an antagonist? I mainly couldn't stop focusing on his three-pointed chin, but uh, <laughs> I love him as an antagonist. I don't know nice. what's not to like. Not, I don't yeah. know what's there to dislike about him. He's kind of, he's not corny and cheesy. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Buggy or uh, Elva, Al, Alvina, yeah. Alvita, Alvita, yeah, Alvita, yeah. Um, he's you can not like say that he's flashy. Yeah, he's not, <laughs> and he's and he's flashy in a way that's not like like Crocodile is kind of like you kind of very very imposing and kind of mm-hmm. like well this guy's like impossible he's invincible right but like when you see um, Frankie you don't I don't I didn't get that I was like oh he's like a well balanced villain for them yeah yeah for sure. Um, do you like his big fucked up forearms? I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> After I saw the uh, elbow, was the elbow guns on somebody? I can't remember who that was. Weapons the elbow. Left. No, it was. Um, do was you remember? That a, was that Krieg back all yeah. the way back in the party? Yeah, I think it was Krieg. He had like the elbows 
Yeah. So he could do something. I, I think it was punching or something. I can't remember. Oh, wait. Are you talking about Captain Morgan who had like the fucked up axe that were his, the handle no. of the axe went through his elbow? No, that guy had that. But there's another guy. I can't remember who it was. Creek, had... Creek from um, the floating restaurant arc had this insane suit of armor with a bunch of like guns built into it. I, I think that might be it. Yeah, I think it's Creek. I don't know. I have to look up a picture of this person. <laughs> Um, I, I wanted to talk briefly about the scene where Zoro and Chopper and Luffy and Sanji just go absolutely destroy the Frankie house. <laughs> that was a great um, scene. I yeah. like that they really, cause you know, like Luffy and Zoro and Sanji are kind of like the powerhouses, you know? And like yeah. Usopp even later mentions, like, I don't have the monstrous power that you have, which I think is an accurate way to describe them is monstrous. <laughs> But I think this is the first time where we get the idea that Chopper is actually like through kind of gaining confidence and developing mm-hmm. his abilities is sort of starting to attain that same level of power where I don't know. There was a couple frames where when Oda drew Chopper like beating up the Frankie family that I was like, oh, he's like actually like strong, you know? Yeah, I, I really something I really like about Chopper is that he kind of seamlessly blends in with like any dynamic on the crew. Mm-hmm. Like he can be a, a silly idiot with like chopsticks in his nostrils or whatever. He can be kind of a naive kid who believes Usopp's story, but like we see here, he can also very credibly be like a heavy hitter. Um, yeah, and and I don't think that that's something he does consciously. Like he's kind of a you know he's a little kid. He, he he's he's kind of the mascot of the group, but uh, he just fits in well wherever he goes, and and he's never showy about it. It's always in a very understated way. Yeah, and, I mean, um, he got pissed. Like that's yeah. I mean, that's why he went off because he was like, "How dare you do this to my friend Usopp?" They beat the shit out of him. Like, and <laughs> yeah. I know that One Piece makes like a gag of somebody getting beaten up so many times that it can be kind of hard to tell. But like, they really beat the shit out of Usopp. Like they they left his body in the streets. Oh man, when you when you see his his picture after yeah. he had, um, like come up on the first time, it's all like black and blue. You know? Yeah, he got fucked up and like. That's something I kind of like about this dynamic is, is and, and I think they briefly touch on the idea of like what being an outlaw is. Um, Cause like what being an out, what, what an outlaw is, is somebody who's outside of the protections of the law. And the Frankie family is this notion of like, we can do whatever you want to you. You're pirates. Like yeah. you probably stole us. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. It doesn't matter though. Like you're, you're outside the law. So we're justified. And there's a really funny exchange at um, Long Ring Longland with the um, the Nomad where Aokiji shows up and Luffy's like, look out for this guy. Be careful. He's with the Navy. And, and the Nomad's like, isn't that isn't that a good thing? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. They're the good guys. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Frankie family, like, like, I remember when I first read this arc, my feeling about them is like, who the fuck are these guys? Like, where do they fit in? They're just such weird wild cards. And in like even within the city, they're on the outskirts. Like the Frankie house is on a random rock by their ship, which they only parked at because it's a random rock because they're pirates. They're, yeah, they're, they're like the gray zone of, of this island. I, I, and I, <laughs> I think Frankie even mentioned like I'm I'm the other face of Water Seven, something like that. Yeah, um, he's kind of like the underbelly. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, if you guys don't mind. We are. We have just the main chunk of stuff to talk about now, which is probably going to take a decent amount of time. So if you wouldn't mind, let's go ahead and take a quick break. And we're back. So guys, should we yes. talk about Usopp? I think Who? we need to. <laughs> is that the uh, square nose or the round nose guy? Uh, round nose. Are you sure? Okay. Kaku is gr- pretty cool, though. Very good bit. Uh, people constantly confusing the two of them because of their nose. Because <laughs> they do not look alike at all other than that. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I remember thinking when I watched this, like, what if he is their new shipwright and then they have two crew members with long noses? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, it, and that's a great dynamic now that you mention it because, like, they're very explicit. We're here to get a carpenter. Um, oh, dude, this is red herrings galore. Like, yeah, every it, single shipwright you meet, is this him? Is this going to be him? Is this going right, to be him? Right. <laughs> Patrick, do you, have any, do you have any predictions or guesses on, you know, who, if any, might join the crew? Um, It's Cuckoo, right? Uh, Kaku, yeah. Kaku. Um, I mean, I thought him from the book, I thought he was like a double agent when we first see him because he's got oh, that, he's got that, um, 
He's got that like a spy kind of look, you know, with the pulled up collar and like the hat mm-hmm. that's drawn down real low. And he's like, going to go and ins- inspect their ship. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, oh, this guy's a saboteur, I bet, man. I didn't <laughs> I even think about that, but he totally has like CIA right? outfit. Like he's the, got that yeah. vibe. Yeah. yeah. He gets less, less shady as the story goes on. Be- kind of because like then he hops like a rabbit to their ship and stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, maybe he's not the bad. I don't know. But that's who I thought initially was going to be their shipwright. But then I thought he was also maybe like the main. I don't know. There's so much going on in this in these chapters. That's like <laughs> yeah. so much set up. You're like, I don't fucking know who. It's like when you watch Scream. I watched Scream recently for the first time. And it's like, who do you think the killer is? It's like, well, fucking everybody. Like, by the end <laughs> <Right>. of the movie. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, like, and, and, and this is getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. But like... Um, when I say this is my favorite arc, by the way, I'm including the place they go to after this, because I would argue that it's the same arc, um, which it, it, it's too early to really dig into that too much right now. But just to say that, like, if, if it feels like everything is getting set up right now, um, that's true. <laughs> like, like, you're not wrong. Yeah. And it's uh, also like when he says that this arc is his favorite, he's not talking about Kaku and Iceberg, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, whoa, yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> Look, there, there's you know stuff, stuff's around the corner. <laughs> stuff is percolating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, stuff, uh, you stuff. know, speaking of stuff percolating, Usopp is part of this, right? Because yes. Usopp uh, is completely devastated, and honestly, he is shamed that he mm-hmm. lost this money because he knew it was necessary to fix the merry-go. Mm-hmm. Then he finds out the merry-go can't be fixed, and he refuses to give up on it. And, you know, Luffy had that same reaction, but then Iceberg mm-hmm. told him, like, straight up, like, oh, you're not willing to make the hard decisions. Like, you know, that's it's weird that you call yourself the captain. Mm-hmm. And I think Luffy took that very seriously. You know, like, he was like, yeah, I have this crew that I have to look after and they need a ship that they can rely on, you know? <laughs> what and, and Iceberg really specifically says to him, like, would you prefer that you just keep on sailing the ship until it falls apart? basically like you know if this were a horse do you want to ride your horse to death yeah um and yeah that, that really you know we don't get to see or hear what luffy specifically thinks about that but it, it is clear that that strikes a nerve with him yeah because he even tells Usopp, you think i just came to this decision like all willy-nilly mm-hmm. like no mm-hmm. i've been thinking about this and this is the right move yeah yeah luffy put on his uh captain's hat and mm-hmm. big boy pants for this um we only see it happen every once in a while yeah, but, uh, he definitely did it for this. He's he's being the captain. When like it, it's to me a little heartbreaking when you saw you know one of his initial reactions is like, would you even be considering buying a new ship if I hadn't gotten robbed? Like like he thinks for just a second there he thinks it's his fault. Um, but like this is this has been the tension with Usopp and the crew since he first showed up. Like it, it's why I've been annoyingly keep you know bringing up Usopp hasn't really integrated into the crew structure. He doesn't have absolute faith and trust in luffy he doesn't mm-hmm. have absolute faith and trust and um you know wh- when it kind of comes down to it he's like hey this and he doesn't say this but like this is his girlfriend's ship this you know the the, the sick rich girl <laughs> who he hung out with every day i um, forgot about that yeah yeah it, it's from her and, and and i think that that's a big part of why he has such a hard time letting go of the mary um you know but it ties into like what's my place here too because he's not a carpenter he's just kind of a, a gadget guy but he kind of feels kind like of, dead weight sometimes too, right? Like, exactly. Yeah. Like just without Keiji, he's like, I just ran around and freaked out. Like, like what, what am I going to do? And that's a moment in this arc too, where he's like, I, I think that he's being a little, you know, not a hundred percent honest about what he's saying, but he's like, I only came along with you guys because you kind of twisted my arm and said, are you coming or not? Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, it's, this is probably an overly dramatic comparison to make, but when JFK was killed, you know, Malcolm X's quote on that was America's chickens are coming home to roost. And this <laughs> is, you know, we've got some chickens coming to home to roost here. Like yeah. these fundamental tensions in the crew with Usopp and, and with Robin of like, what's your deal? You know, why are you here? Where do you see yourself there? It's finally splitting open. Um, yeah. And I, I love the part when Luffy is about to say, like, if you don't like it, maybe you should leave the crew yeah. before he can get the words out. Sanji kicks him. And he's it, like, yeah, shut, shut. He kicks him hard. Like, he yeah, attacks him. Like, you can see, like, the bruise marks on Luffy's yeah. face. Like, he, no joke, kicked him. But, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, that's the seriousness that is required mm-hmm. in this situation, right? Like, 
And I, I, lo- I love later when Zoro says, like, if you start doubting yourself, who are we supposed to trust? It's like, yeah, Zoro saying, like, like, yeah, you do have to have conviction about this decision. You can't really allow people to question you on this once you've made up your mind. And that's such a key comment. And that's the difference between somebody like Zoro and Yusuf. Because what, what Zoro is deci- like describing is having absolute faith in his captain. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't have to agree with you. I have to believe in you. Yeah, and, it's like even if you disagree, you still mm-hmm. have to like kind of respect the structure of like the chain of command, more or less. Yeah, you know? yeah which L- is L- such L- a funny thing to think about in the context of this whole fucking story is about the freedom yeah. of being a pirate. <laughs> it's like no, bro. Even pirates have their hierarchy, you know. Right. It's true though. Like you know what they're doing, like the Grand Line in general. You know, and trying to be the king of pirates specific, like it, that's insane. Like. We've seen so many times that there are just these ludicrously, like, frightening forces that you have to lock horns with if you're going to pursue that. And, like, Zola's completely right. It's incredibly important that Luffy's confidence be totally unshakable. And Usopp doesn't get that. Captain Usopp still thinks he gets to fucking disagree, and he gets to argue it, and he gets to tell... Usopp, or sorry, Usopp gets to tell Sanji and Zolo, like, hey, you're a coward for obeying the captain's orders, like he did in Long Ring Longland. He doesn't get it. And yeah. it, it's it's finally come to a fucking head. Like like there's they can't continue like this. One of them's gonna have to change. And there's so many dimensions to this, right? Like it's Oofy versus Oofy Oofy versus Usopp. <laughs> uh, it's it's Luffy versus Usopp, but it's also like the whole crew is just like inconceivably linked and bought into this like it affects yeah. all of them you know like yeah. we talked about sanji and zoro and their role in it and then nami is like saying like oh man it feels like the crew is just falling apart and it's like yeah. this has been her family ever since she left her uh what was it her sister or whatever yeah and, and like to that point like everybody's from a broken family that's kind of why everybody is where they're at right like yeah luffy apparently has a grandpa um, he's got a brother with a different name, which to me insinuates that they're not from the same family. Um, you know, Sanji appears to be an orphan. Zolo appears to be an orphan. Chopper is, yeah, and I say this with love, a freak creature. <laughs> um, a horrible you know, Na- monster. <laughs> yeah, like like Nami's an orphan whose mom died basically because of her. You know, it's not her fault. But and and then there's Usopp, who like his he he has a dad who is himself a fucking pirate who fucked off and like. It, it's true. Like this is this is where they're at. Part of why they're all straw hats is that they don't have a better place to be. Um, I still love Zolo's like line about like, oh, I got lost and I d- just became a bounty hunter by accident, <laughs> basically. Yeah, he became a bounty hunter. He met those three dudes or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know. It just kind of happened. <laughs> um. Oh God! And then Chopper, like how he's going to heal Usopp, and Sanji tells him, like, "No, that's Don't. the worst thing you could do for him right now." Yeah, and it Which, was really touching because, like, he found a way to compromise. He like left medical gear for him, and he yeah. just didn't administer it himself. And I think that is a very wise thing that he did because I think that is an effective way to offer what help you can yeah. without. You know, as as much as this whole thing is just a bunch of toxic masculinity, it's a <laughs> it's a way to help Usopp without emasculating him. You know, yeah, it was respectful, but it also showed Chopper's growth because he didn't just listen to Sanji because Sanji said, "Don't do anything." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "I can't not do anything, but I, I can find a middle ground here." Well, he's a doctor. I mean, he can't fight that yeah. urge completely, right? Like, he's like, "I have yeah. to help somehow," and like. The fact that, like, this whole conflict came right on the heels of what we are talking about earlier, like, the you know, the four big boys of the crew going to the Frankie house to annihilate it, to avenge Usopp, makes it all the more heartbreaking. Because I think Usopp is really taking this, like, you don't care tack. And we know that's not true. Like, yeah. we, we, we see them go sicko mode to, to beat the shit out of the guys that beat him up. But they did go sicko mode, by the way. They did. Yeah. It, it, it's always great when they go sicko mode. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Zoro was cutting iron cannonballs in half. I was like, oh, fuck man, yeah, Zoro. So cool. Badass. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of Sycamore, can I just say, Usopp, as the joke fighter the entire fucking time, like Nami doesn't really fight at this point either, but we, we've seen she can fight. Usopp versus Luffy, not nearly the pushover I think anyone would have guessed before seeing this. Yeah. I wanted to ask, Patrick, what did you think of this fight? 
So I, <clears throat> yeah, I was going to bring this up that it's really, I mean, it's really easy. It was easy for me to write off Usopp mm-hmm. from the beginning. When you first meet him, he's annoying. And then uh, just him writing him off as like this, just a sidekick character guy who's not really strong. And then he's really only good at making other people fight better, right? Like getting along the way, like giving them gadgets and changing their weapons. But then when you when he fights Luffy, who's like, Arguably the most powerful fighter that we've mm-hmm. seen, right? Because he he's they defeated everybody, right? Up to this he, point. Yeah. He's the guy who wins the fights. He's yeah. the guy that beats all the fucking invincible bosses, <laughs> yeah. right? And then totally just, to think like Usopp's gonna fight him, it's like, no, it's like this can't happen. And then like he kind of <laughs> holds his own for a while. Yeah. And yeah. you kind of I think you can read hindsight is 2020 you can look back on like using the the uh reject dials when they were going on the boats and he was Mm -hmm. like blasting his hand off you know it's like he's slowly become more i don't just want to say useful but like um yeah more useful and like stronger Mm -hmm. and more believing in himself to the point where he thinks he can challenge luffy which is like insane yeah and then he calm and then he basically kind of does it you know yeah that is i so the reason i ask patrick is because This is one thing that I did lightly get spoiled on when I first read this because I saw like a BuzzFeed article or something that was like the top five fights in One Piece. (laughs) And this was at the time, so it wasn't as far along as it is now. But the cover photo was a pic that picture of Luffy and Usopp's like staring each other down. And so I was like, what? Luffy's going to fight Usopp? And so it was like hyped up in my head as fuck. But I think that's worth mentioning that in a series that has some crazy fights mm-hmm. but this is still one of the coolest fights you know and even and just to oh sorry no no please please i was just gonna say, just to even consider that a fight could even happen between usopp and luffy and be like an even matched fight almost mm-hmm. for a little bit is was crazy before i'd say like the last arc you know yeah yeah that, that's one of my favorite things about this moment is like he, you know, Oda pulls off something that, like, I don't think anybody would have expected, but he yeah. does it with complete credibility. Like, it, it never feels fake for even mm-hmm. a fucking second, because the way you sub fights is very clever. Like, yeah. like he's, he's thought about it a lot. He even says, like, Luffy, I've seen every time you fought. I know exactly what you're capable of. Yeah. I know where your weaknesses are. And Once he um, said that, I was like, oh, shit, he's right. Yeah. Like, he has the inside. Like, he's got the upper hand almost sometimes. Because, like, Usopp is smart. He is one of the smart characters. He is insightful, specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he understands a situation and a person. Mm-hmm. He's cunning. You know, and, like, one of my favorite things about Usopp, and, and like, I, Patrick, I love that you mentioned how annoying Usopp is, because, like, our, we have friends, uh, Ian and Kelly, who yeah. started watching One Piece and specifically stopped because Usopp was too <laughs> annoying for them, which I get. He grows on you. He does, he does. Uh, but, like, He's got the romantic side and he's got the pragmat like the pragmatist side. And um this is one of those rare moments where where he got to be both at the same time, right? Because like the romantic in him forced him to take a stand, it forced him to take this serious, you know, effort to challenge Luffy, the you know, the most badass guy he knows, um, in a very pragmatic way. Like if I do oil and then fire, then uh, then I can burn him and um this, that, and the other. Yeah, and like it, it, that's that's the thing, right? Is he knows he can't just shoot him full of holes with like yeah. regular pellets or whatever. He's like, I have to do the hot pepper down the mouth. I have to do the gas and then the flame. Mm-hmm. I have to do sharp like piercing or or slashing weapons like and the distractions. He, yeah. yeah, and that and that's part of his character too, because like a, a huge like milestone in Usopp's development as a fighter is like Skypea, because afterwards he buys like. They kind of hand wave like, yeah, Usopp buys a shitload of dials and he just has these now. Yeah, like, from, for rubber bands, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and which is like a funny little gag. But like the fact that Usopp recognized the potential of these things is part of why he got them. Like it, it wasn't accidental. He, he wasn't just handed a bag of dials and said, hey, thanks. He's like, no, the, you know, I could do things with these. I, I need to get as many as possible. And, and just moving forward. That's in his bag of tricks now. And he's a bag of tricks kind of guy. Um, and like, and I think one of the most important things about this fight is that like Luffy's not pulling his punches. Like he, he is talking about like this, you know, possibly toxically man, you know, masculine stuff, but like Luffy respects him as a fighter. This is a serious challenge and he's going to treat it seriously. And, and, you know, ultimately it does mean he 
beats the shit out of this horrifically injured guy. <laughs> and but uh, I don't know if yeah. this is credit to Luffy or if this is the opposite of that, but Luffy is pissed at Usopp. Like he is, yes. he is not like. Oh, I'm just humoring you. He's like, no, I actually want to beat the shit out of you right now because yeah. you fucking pissed me off. And uh, at the end, he just with like vitriol, like it's, you know, I've watched the anime also, but even in the manga, you get like the poison in Luffy's voice mm-hmm. when he says, do whatever you want with the ship. Like, I hope it makes you happy. That kind of thing. You know, he's like, take it. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Well, like, like you saw very explicitly rejected Luffy, like, no, I think it's for a good reason that he might be feeling hurt or or just beyond it. Like when Sanji, you know, kicks the shit out of Luffy and says, you need to shut the fuck up because you're about to say something you're going to regret. Like Luffy wants to walk it back. He's like, you're right. Um, but Usopp has that moment to, you know, maybe we can dial the temperature down. And he says, no, that's how you feel. Let's just let's just say it. And he because was this- right. Yeah, because that is Luffy's attitude. Like, if you don't like it, then you don't have a place here. Yeah, like I am the fucking captain. Like, yeah, if if you can't accept, like, that is the one thing you have to accept about your relationship with me. And if you can't do it, that's a problem, and it's true. Wow, such fucking mwah, chef kiss, so good. Much story, much story, many development. Uh, Patrick, I just want to hear a little bit more from you. Did you? have any other thoughts about this i mean this for me is like the moment in one piece where you go oh fuck because you don't even think at this point it's even a possibility that they would lose a crew member member this early you know like it's fucking crazy i mean i think if you have only read as far as this which i have i think that's plausible it's shocking that like but i don't think it's impossible to think that they would lose a crew member or something major would happen to a main character because it's i mean it is 300 chapters in right so it's a long time for mm-hmm. me true um, no, I'm, I'm glad you bring that up so the, the most recently published chapter is 1080 um <laughs> so I, I did recently do some quick math and uh we will officially as of what's currently published hit the one third mark within water seven okay um, so, so we're right about there yeah yeah, so I think I thought it was plausible that this could happen. I was shocked when I saw, you know, the gauntlet being thrown down and that this is going to actually happen. Um, but then I, I, w- I was not as shocked as I think maybe you or John. And that makes sense too, right? Like, you don't know what's coming. Yeah, I, I'm a blank slate, man. <laughs> Anything I, could, could happen. <laughs> and after seeing so much crazy shit happen in the last stories, it's like... I'm open to anything happening at any time, but I, I was I was surprised that uh, they were gonna fight. That's yeah, yeah. I I, I really didn't think Usopp was gonna die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I thought that that you know the fight happening was pretty surprising. Yeah, and and I like that he didn't die. I mean, that would be too far, right? Like <laughs> that would be. Yeah. Too far. Uh, yeah, I guess Luffy murdered Usopp. <laughs> like when you say lose a crew member, I thought you meant like, oh, we're gonna he's gonna quit or something, and like, or he's gonna get defeated, and like, you know, we're, we may not see him for a few arcs. But like, I never thought he was gonna die. I mean, because yeah. I don't think anyone has ever died. <laughs> so besides I'm, I'm, Gold D. Roger, <laughs> I'm glad you bring that up because I, I do want to say not not to spoil or get too far ahead. But don't you like, say it, Matt. Don't you say it. Somebody dies. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying. Oh no, someone there dies. Are, there are deaths in this universe. Don't assume that nobody ever dies. Don't, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But fucking Pell sure as fuck didn't die. Pell did not die. Neither <laughs> did the, the um, who's the old the, guy, the, dad, the night the, guy. Yeah, the I was going to say Papaku, but. P something. I always think of the starfish's name because it's so similar. And he's like, "Oh, I'm here. <laughs> I'm fine." The guy with the cannon hair, right? Papaya, maybe. Yeah, Papagoo, um, Papagaya, or something. Papagaya. <laughs> that might be his dad from Skypea. Um, yeah. The the mustache beard man. The man who who miraculously is alive. <laughs> oh, I was yeah, thinking like, about I, the guy who was friends with Vivi. The guy from Alabasta. That's Pell. Yeah. The, the, no, those, no, no. The the guy who like got oh, destroyed the, on the ship. The rebel. Then, oh, when they blew the ship up. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the me, guy that me, was hand tied. Igorim. Igorim. Yeah, yeah. That's Igarim. what I was thinking of. One of my favorite One Piece bits is a guy who just looks like a Baroque opera singer, just constantly doing vocal tuning. <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, yeah, it's funny. I don't know. <laughs> me, 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 me. <laughs> um, all right. We are coming up on our time, but I do want to see just, you know, since you're the fresh eyes to this, Patrick, is there any last things that you'd like to like to say that you'd like us to comment on? I think um, 
we didn't give enough uh, credence or I don't know credit to like how much setup was in these. It's only what like eighteen chapters or something. Yeah. Sixteen chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a little shorter than what we've been doing for for a it, few episodes now. Yeah, we usually do like twenty, twenty five, something like that. This is shorter than that, and there is just so much happening in this. Mm-hmm. It's really jam packed. I'm glad we took this little bite size kind of portion. Yeah, and I just want to give credit to Oda because there is a ton of setup. I, I mean, Nico Robin specifically, like she is kind of an she was an enigma to me before this. You only see her very rarely. Kind of like in just in snippets, she's not really part of the main story until now, mm-hmm. and even in now, she's absent for most of the art, most of the chapters, except for the beginning and the end. And I'm pretty excited, or I'm just very curious to see like what actually went down. Like, did she actually do this? And was um, the frozen guy, who's the uh, bicycle frozen guy, yeah, Akiji, yeah. like what? what did he mean that they're going to regret it? Because I'm pretty sure as shit, they regret it. They're starting to regret it right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that she's on the crew. <laughs> yeah, no, and that, that's a great point that like, this is an arc that seems to be about Nico Robin. And yet she is not even present for most shit. of it. She's just like the yep. shadow looming over it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, such good shit. I fucking, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Uh, (laughs) Let's get to our rating and review section of the podcast. Uh, Matt, we will begin with you. Oh, bud. All right. I I mean, clearly I love this shit. I have not been able to shut my fucking mouth the entire episode. Damn it, I apologize for that. (laughs) But uh, I love this shit so much. I mean... Y- y'all just said it. This is the Nico Robin arc, but it, it does it in a very interesting way. Like everything that we just got with Aokiji is very much setting up what's about to happen now. Like th- this is, you know, after so much like sewing of so many narrative beats, we're all of a sudden we're harvesting all of them all at once, super unexpectedly. Um, Patrick, I'm so excited for you to read this for the first time. I've been looking forward to this arc since before we recorded a single second of this, uh, all I can tell you is everything is going to pay off even better than you can possibly imagine. It, it, this is so fucking fire. Um, I love this wholeheartedly. It's so fucking cool. And um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm loving, I'm loving rereading this. I'm loving how much you guys are loving this. And uh, yeah, I mean, this, this is look, we, we haven't even scratched the surface of what this is yet. Like, like it's shocking to me how little we can talk about this arc yet. <laughs> but still, this is a fucking S rank. Come on. Like, the, the Usopp fight is so good. The the crew coming under actual fucking stress and actual fucking pressure and actually seeming like they're in crisis is so fucking solid. Like, it, it took it took about 330 chapters for Oda to be able to do this. That's about the amount of setup that was required for something to have this much emotional heft. And, like, something else I love about this, and I'm going to talk more about later on in the arc as it becomes more clear, you know, what the fuck's happening is something I love about this is that he's revisiting earlier concepts. Like we've talked a, a bit about Barati, the floating kitchen, the floating restaurant and how he's kind of echoing some of that. To me, this arc is very much him revisiting one of the earlier arcs and doing it again. Um, but as like the, the bigger, better, better, you know, cooler sequel, uh, that is more in every, every which way. And, um, I can't wait to read more. I'm probably going to read the next episodes with the chapters within the next day or two after we <laughs> wrap up here. Um, so for myself, I'm going S rank as well. I can't really even say the large part of why, because a big reason <laughs> why it's getting that rank is because of stuff that it's getting me excited about to read again. Yeah. But the things that I can say are the stuff with Usopp. I mean, we talked about that for like 25 minutes, like, so jam-packed full of character work that like just all of that was was perfect and i loved it and then also the sanji stuff that i mentioned earlier like between those two i think that alone is enough to earn the s rank but then there's other stuff on top of that that's sort of uh yet to be revealed so that's going to be a hard s for me i think we're going to reserve like double s and triple s for later so this is just s rank (laughs) We'll get that a few more episodes. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll be getting there soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Patrick, what about you? Yeah, this is definitely a 7 out of 7 for me because this yeah. is... Triple S rank. Yeah, the um, I'd like to touch on what Matt 
what or to reiterate what Matt touched on earlier about the just you believing the um the uh Usopp and and uh, and Luffy fight. Mm-hmm. Like that I don't think he could have sold that um if everything we hadn't seen already happened. And uh <laughs> my dogs are barking, they're throwing me off. Um yeah, so like that that's kind of like the main centerpiece of this of this these chapters. I am very curious to see what happens with Nico Robin and the assassination attempt was fucking insane. The Frankie's uh, army people, Frankie's group, whatever. That was insane. Um, yeah, I, I love the amount of setup and the amount of shit that I can hopefully look forward to finding out about in the next set. So, yeah, 7 out of 7. Hell yes. yeah. Well, Hell thank yeah. you, everybody, so much for listening. It's only going to get better from here, baby. You can email us at devilfruitpunch at gmail.com. Um, you can listen to Patrick and I's other podcast, Fungus, 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 where we are currently playing The Last of Us game, and we are getting into it. We are about halfway through the game right now, and we are enjoying every bit of it. We have no complaints about the quality of this port at all, so you can... Just listen to an hour of us talking about the game itself and absolutely no time spent at all talking Zero. about the tech and the glitches and the, the graphic settings and the There's definitely not a tech corner scaling. part of that. <laughs> it's definitely not half of the podcast. It's definitely not uh, tell me your system settings for 30 minutes. <laughs> that, that would be, be ridiculous. Crazy. Who would record that? Who would publish that? Folks, I'm getting sold on it uh, in real time right now. (laughs) Um, You can also check out a YouTube show that I was recently on. Um, Only check it out if you are into politics and specifically like left wing politics, but it's called uh, Left Side Chat. Uh, That's like Fireside Chat, but left. Uh, You can search for that on YouTube. You can look up my episode. We had a really good conversation with some very knowledgeable uh important people in my opinion so that'll do it for this episode and until next time Ahoy!